anime death spiral the only anime podcast that is entirely dubbed in english we are voice actors translating from the original japanese i'm nate i'm here with remy as always and we're gonna talk about some anime maybe uh i think yeah i'm I'm very happy that I, I managed to beat out Christian Bale for this role. It was uh, pretty tough, but, uh, you know, scheduling conflicts pulled it through for me. Well, at the end of the day, I think that he was just asking for too much money. We, they couldn't afford to, to hire him, <laughs> not for that role. Their loss is my gain. <laughs> uh, I was this close to being voiced by Jim Cummings, though. That was on the table. Oh, how unfortunate. How unfortunate. <laughs> Could have had a much better version of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know what? Uh, we all we all got to make our money somewhere. Yep, that's why we do this. <laughs> hey, speaking of, what is what is the worst job you've ever had? <laughs> uh, you mean besides this? Yes, besides this. I mean, I've every single one of my job is tied for the worst. I I don't like working. <laughs> I can I can absolutely agree with that sentiment. Uh, I don't even like doing stuff for fun most of the time. It's just too much work. <laughs> Look, uh, <laughs> there are good things and bad things about any job you could find yourself in. Some of the good things outweigh the bad things if you're really lucky. Uh, I've never personally been in a position like that, um, but I like to stay positive in the workplace. So uh, maybe the the correct question is, what is the <laughs> the worst thing you've ever been paid money for? Well, what if the government offered you $100,000 to just die in two years with the benefit that your body would would turn into a plant. Oh, yes. Well, you see, that's not really work. <laughs> when I think of work, I kind of think of an input-output system. No, that is, uh, that, that's uh, the alternative to work, right? Yeah, you're talking about uh, coercive social welfare. Yeah, I mean, I'd take the deal. Like, hands down, no hesitation. Yes, assuming... Uh, I was dying, yeah, I would probably also take the deal. I am, of course, talking about a manga that I read uh, recently uh, that I'm still reading. Uh, I'm, I've am i been dipping my toes into some stuff, and, and I really liked the premise of this one. It's called Fool Night by Kasumi Yasuda. Uh, the manga by Kasumi Yasuda, Fool Night, is what I've been reading recently, and I really like it. Um, I saw it mentioned on on a couple tweets that I saw online, and I really dug the art, and I looked into it more, and it is kind of like a post-apocalyptic, I would call it a dark comedy at times, but the, the premise is in the future, uh, the world has been kind of like covered by this mysterious dark cloud layer that has killed off all plant life. I mean, it's not that mysterious. It's... It's pollution. It's pollution. Yeah. It's basically toxic waste. I mean, the, at the beginning, the characters talk about it in very vague terms. They say, like, oh, that was the year that all of the clouds moved in. But yeah, it is... It's pollution. <laughs> it's just global warming. Yeah. Like, almost all of these things are. Uh, and it has killed off all, all plant life, thus reducing the oxygen level in the air on earth to a non-sustainable for life level and to combat this i'm assuming they keep they just keep referring to it as the government but i assume that they're talking about the japanese government because they're in japan um but the government developed a procedure where they could essentially 
implant a, a seed into a person's body and it would take over their body in a parasitic function and and use their life as kind of like a a, a super grow boost to uh, raise the oxygen levels enough to where people could breathe. Yes, they morph people into plants. Yes. It's a plant morphification <laughs> process. Uh, transmorphification. Yeah, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. And so they do address the ethical concerns of this by saying, all right, we're only going to offer this procedure to people that are terminally ill. Uh, if if there's no cure and you're definitely dying, then then you can sign up to have a seed put in you and turn into a plant. Or if you just really want the money. Well, they're not they're not, they're not supposed to. They're not supposed <laughs> no, to. It's, it's it's pretty clear. <laughs> Either uh, you are clearly dying, or maybe if you just really want the money, you can take the procedure to turn into a plant. And uh, supposedly help your fellow man. Supposedly. Yes, supposedly. That's a pretty big supposedly as the story goes on. Yeah. And and so it kind of centers around this guy who just kind of has a shit life. He grew up in this post-apocalypse, right? And I, I guess at this point we could almost call it like a post-post-apocalypse because they well, we should we should talk about that. I wanted to talk about that when you brought it up the first time. We really need to stop calling all of these things post-apocalypses because this is not post-anything, first of all. I guess I guess society just carried on. <laughs> yeah, it's not an apocalypse either. Like, it's apocalypse is so dramatic a term, but, like, we're not talking about... Uh, Mad Max people living in the remnants of a desert planet, right? We have so many of these stories now that are just like people living in the slow rolling consequence of like humans failure to act uh, in the face of climate change and climate change is, you know, metaphorized in, in various ways in all these different stories. In this one, it's, it's a dark cloud that blots out the sun. I don't think that's a metaphor. I think that we are supposed to take that very literally. Well, yes. Uh, but the idea is, Right. Uh, we have created this scenario where human life is no longer sustainable on the planet. And this isn't really a apocalypses. I think we are at the point, the tipping point now where we have so many of these stories uh, that we need to we need to start using a different term. Well, I mean, this is this is post something. Uh, this is post a a life-changing event, kind of like we live in a post-9-11 society. Well, I mean, yes, but that's like a, that's like a specific cultural touchstone thing, right? Like, it, because we come into the story, and specifically, like, our character comes into the story, literally post whatever this post is, right? There's never been anything else for them or us in the narrative. We need to, so we just need to, we need to come up with, like, a term that uh, describes... Uh, a, a dying earth kind of scenario. I think dying earth is more applicable uh, in almost all of these situations. I would call it late stage capitalism scenario, uh, but I, I oh, suppose shit. they're he the got same him. thing. He fucking got him, dude. He <laughs> got him. Damn. I went there. Yeah, I made it about capitalism, bro. He fucking said it. This dude's got no rules. <laughs> That's me. I, I really think if we just we need to we should call these things. I I personally will start. I will not use 
post-apocalypse anymore unless it's specifically that. I think we should just start calling these things dying earth stories. Okay, all right, hold on. Then I want to go from there. What do you consider qualifies as a apocalyptic event? Apocalyptic event is like... An apocalyptic event. A, a single event that wipes out massive amounts of the population at once. Okay, so we're talking nuclear war. We're talking we're talking nuclear war, which is obviously the inspiration for almost all of the post-apocalypse stories, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, is a, a nuclear war happens, and in the blink of an eye, most of humanity is dead. Whereas, you know, a lot of what we call post-apocalypse, even something like The Walking Dead, right? Like, that is an event that takes place over a long period of time. In, in 28 Days Later, it's closer to an, an apocalypse in that way that, like, he goes to sleep and then he wakes up, like, a week later or whatever. 28 Days Later, I guess. Is uh, that where it comes from? Yeah, no, I think you... I, I, I never noticed that. That's a very clever title <laughs> that they kind of came up with. Was that was it 28 Days Later that he wakes up? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, so the premise of 28 Days Later is that he gets, like, hit by a car. He's a delivery boy, Right. He's a bike messenger. and he Delivery gets man. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, no one should ever describe Killian Murphy as a boy. Yeah, that is no boy. Especially not after Oppenheimer. <laughs> <laughs> Tying it back to apocalypses. Yeah, I mean, he hangs dong. I've seen it. He's, he, that's no boy. <laughs> but uh, he gets hit by a, a, a trolley, uh, a, a lorry. A pedicab. Yeah, uh, after, wakes up after a 28-day coma. Uh he absolutely got isekai'd for those 28 days, though, right? From what I remember, he does seem pretty discombobulated when he wakes back up. He seems to be confused about the the actual concept of a hospital. Like, he doesn't understand, like, what a hospital is when he wakes up. <laughs> That's because of all the British socialism in their medical system. <laughs> wow, you wouldn't even be able to recognize it if you're from here, where we have fancy doctors and real hospitals, <laughs> not this socialized crap. Uh, I think it's a testament to Killian Murphy's acting skill that he's like, they're like, they told him, uh, okay, when you wake up and you're going to be like really confused and he's like, okay, I'm going to be so confused. I don't know what like a bed is or a hospital gown is or a <laughs> curtain. I don't even understand what the concepts of these things are. He sells it so hard. He's so good. What a, what a great actor. Yeah, I got him to voice my character. He was available, you know, uh, if it weren't for that dang strike, we would have got him fresh off Oppie. Uh, the strike is over. Stag has Stag has settled. You should never settle. Apparently, they did not get a great deal. Sounds like maybe they. Sounds like maybe they lost a little bit. Yeah, I think I think they might have gotten their ass kicked. Uh, unfortunate. Yeah, but you know, <laughs> actors. What what could you do? Uh, <laughs> How did we get here? Uh, yeah. So the, I think that is closer to an edge case where like yeah. Uh, 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 that's kind of apocalypse-ish where the world is just kind of completely devoid of human life over overnight, over a series of 28 nights. Yeah. But scenarios where, like, there is still a functioning, if slowly diminishing, human society that's just, like, going to shit, it's definitely not an apocalypse. No, if anything... Okay, so back to Fool Night, if anything, I would say it's more... Uh, it's not apocalyptic. I, I agree with you totally. I would say it's definitely a commentary uh, superficially on like 
Japan's economy and declining birth rate, if anything, because it is about a still functioning government that just basically is trying to retain enough people and control over them to to still be a state, right? Yeah. Well, I think it is it is a lot of harnessing a more universal uh, feeling of, like, the slow death march into oblivion where we're all just kind of living with the fucking Majora's Mask moon hanging above us every single day and all just trying to be like, yep, the moon's still up there, but I got to go grocery shopping still. I got to fucking, like, go to work and I still got to get my paycheck and fucking pay my bills and shit but oh yeah it's still getting closer uh what else is going on today i'm gonna turn i'm gonna turn on the tv and try not to look out my window it's it's that feeling as a millennial that is the most accurate way anyone has ever verbalized that like general notion of being alive for me right now yeah you know one of the things i think uh that that don't look up movie that adam mckay movie about the the comet smashing into Earth. Yeah. Is that... The one with uh, DiCaprio, right? Yes. Uh, they portray it as, like, it's imminent. Like, that thing is about to smash. Uh, <laughs> it's about to smash. smash. They're going to hit... They're going to smash. Uh, but he, he often portrays people on, on kind of the two extremes where, like, some people care that it's happening a lot and they, they want to stop it. And then a lot of the other people that he's making fun of are kind of either like oblivious to it or they are in denial about what it means for their lives. Whereas I think a lot of people are aware of it against it, uh, but crushed under the despair of knowing that they have no power to stop it. Right. Uh, and, and that is what fool night does much better than a movie. Like don't look up that people are all aware and they are they are like desperately trying to find some way to reconcile living a normal life with also understanding that things are going so incredibly wrong and there's no correct way to fix it. Right. Well, okay, so our main character is a guy who just has an objectively bad and totally like normal and relatable life to a lot of people today in 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 our real world, right? Well, he he has he has a, a secondhand medical crisis. So just like Breaking Bad, yeah, we have a lack of healthcare kicks off a, a horrible series of events that leads to him selling his body to the government because basically his mom needs meds. Well, yes, his his mom has uh, some kind of mental illness. She needs medication, or she gets into these like violent fits. Uh, in which she, like, tries to physically attack him. Uh, like, she st stabs him in, like, the first chapter of the of the manga. Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> because he can't get her, her meds on time. Yeah, I need my drugs, dog. And so he works at, like, a chip factory making motherboards, uh, but his obvious distress at his personal situation makes him not very productive, which makes him not earn a lot of money. And so the government has this program for, again, quote unquote, terminally ill people only, where they can sell their body to become an oxygen producing plant. Over the course of two years, the process kills you and you turn into into a plant somewhere. And he runs into his childhood friend 
who is a doctor and administrator for this procedure. And in order to get her to 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 put the seed in him, he like basically goes and drinks. Don't put it like that. <laughs> to, uh, to impregnate him with with this life giving uh, energy, uh, he basically goes and drinks like horrible toxic sewer water to give himself some kind of incurable disease, I guess, and make him eligible for the procedure. And she sees through it right away, uh, but she is basically like, well. We need oxygen, so I guess what am I going to do? And he he gets the procedure done. He gets the the plant put in him, and almost immediately he gets all of the money that he got stolen. He gets robbed, uh, and so now he's going to die in two years for sure. Uh, and he has no money, so this dude sucks, and his life sucks. <laughs> now he's chill, and frankly, his life gets a lot better. Well, I mean, his life gets better after the government realizes that he's useful because apparently he has, like, he can talk to the plants. He can go Lorax on people, right? He speaks for the trees. <laughs> I'm going Lorax mode. Yeah. And that suddenly makes him, like, useful to to talk to the the dead people plants. And so for a while it becomes kind of like an episodic thing where him and his childhood friend who now works for the government go about, I don't know, I don't want to say solving mysteries because it's not exactly that, but like going on cases where where they need to identify like a plant that used to be a person using his ability to talk to the plants. Well, I mean, he does it like one time. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm maybe like 10, 15 chapters in. Uh, almost halfway. So I, I haven't finished. I'm not current yet. Uh, I really like that one. The art is really good. I I think that the general sentiment uh, is pretty on point, uh, considering everything around us right now. And I would uh, definitely recommend it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you'd recommend that one, huh? I'd recommend that one. Go give it a shot. Yeah, Fool Night by Kasumi Yasuda. Yeah, you could have been caught up by now if you had uh, read it when I. When I told you to, uh, like a year and a half ago, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. you know, I'm working on it. I'm working on myself. Okay. Give me mm-hmm. a break. Uh huh. Yeah. That's uh that's a real good one. That's one of those good ones. You didn't really talk about it, but, uh, the full night is, is pretty great in that it looks unlike any other manga on the market. Yes. I mean, the art is good. The art is good, but more than that, the art is completely unique to itself it has such an artistic identity that is uh uh, lacking in a lot of a lot of publications that's what got me on board i only needed to see like one panel to realize like oh this is something special yes uh i i definitely agree with that you know i don't want to say that it's not like other anime or manga stylistically but it's it's unique and it has its own kind of like uh style <laughs> uh yes googling synonym for look yeah. <laughs> hey i'm a good speaker at words okay i got uh i got all of the words i got the best words all right why don't you tell me about something you read then i can tell you about all kinds of things expand my mind please i'm desperate for it sure well i figured you know it's taking too long we might as well clear out this whole backlog i have uh so this is what 
This is gonna be uh this is gonna be a manga day. This is the manga day, people. Uh, put on your reading glasses because anime is out the door. No moving pictures here. This is gonna be manga. This is gonna be a lot of manga. So let's see, how should we do this? Here's what I'm gonna do. Here's what I'm gonna do. We're gonna go down the list here that you've laid out, and I want you to lay out each of these in in one sentence. Give me the the one sentence review of 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 everything on your list here how about that only one give me a paragraph at least okay all right what's fair three sentences that's at least a paragraph <laughs> i do want to sell you on these though because some of them are actually worth reading don't worry i'm not gonna uh <laughs> describe the entire plot of the first issue for you or is there anything in particular that you uh you find intriguing right off the bat uh i'm gonna i'm gonna fire at random here tell me about steel of sun and moon okay steel of sun and moon steel of sun and moon is by uh matsuda daruma nailed it some, some, something that sounds like that steel of sun and moon is pretty weird it's sort of starts off as uh, absurdist romance about a failing samurai who's incapable of wielding a sword because his body is like metallophobic. It, <laughs> it repels metal. So this makes it very difficult for him to wield swords. So anti-Magneto? He is sort of anti-Magneto. When he reaches for uh, a sword, it like crumples up and goes away from him. Uh, when he wants to shave the the razor bends away from his skin so he's always like you know kind of stubbly uh if he wants to hit something with a hammer he can't do it he has to go find a rock uh he, he has a hard time even living in a house that's put together with nails this guy's life is uh, pretty bad it's not going good for him that seems so exploitable though right well you think that but he's also not a very clever man oh okay yeah. Well, if he's an idiot, then then that's his fault. He's sort of a loser because he's obsessed with the idea of being a samurai, uh, which, you know, is stupid. But at the same time, I kind of get it because, like, what other job sounds cool? Uh, yeah, uh, I would rather be an aristocrat uh, or his bodyguard than, like, a peasant uh, toiling in dirt. Yeah, so he's clinging to the idea I, well, I want to be one of the cool guys and not one of these, like, loser he, he guys. Wa he wants to be a cop. Like, that's basically, he wants he's, to be a cop. He's really into being, like, yeah, like a cop uh, with a nurse girlfriend. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but he can't do it because of this this horrible, strange curse put upon him. Oh, no, I can't be a cop because bullets can't hit me. Yeah, he shows up to the I want to be a cop line every single day, and he's like, he, he begs his local magistrate, please, sir, can today, can I be a cop? And the guy's like, well, are, are you still metallophobic? And he's like, well, a little bit. Oh, and the guy goes, okay, fuck off then. Like, Why do you keep coming here? Uh, but he just cannot give up on this idea. I don't know why. He's really, really emotionally attached to I just, to it. I don't get how that is, how it's a bad thing, because doesn't that mean, like, swords won't hit him? Yes, it does mean swords won't hit him. In fact, uh, he pisses off some loser who attacks him with a sword, and the sword won't cut. It won't cut. Okay, so that sounds awesome. I don't see what the issue is. The, I guess the issue would be that, like, he's, he's, too, he's too much of a coward to fight back anyway. So even if he's... Oh, so he has, like, an amazing superpower, but he just sucks. Yeah, he's a dumb moron coward 
who cannot deal with the fact that he's not going to be a samurai. Like, that's his whole thing. Uh, he just, he has a huge mental block. And, of course, in the lives of all uh, dumb asshole cowards who want to be cops, uh, a beautiful, mysterious woman wanders into his life and demands that he marry her. It must be nice. Must be fucking nice. Yep. And also, she's rich. (laughs) That's cool, too. And she's, like, really supportive and encouraging of his whole thing. He's like, I'm too much of a loser to marry you. And she's like, don't worry. Like, I think your weird magic power is, like, cool, actually. And he's like, what? You think magic powers are cool? (laughs) And she's like, yeah, what? Of course they are. What are you talking about? (laughs) Magic powers kick ass. But he can't really deal with that. (laughs) At what point are we supposed to, like, keep suspending our disbelief over this guy. It it just doesn't make sense that he would be, like, down about any of these situations. Well, we it's a whole conversation about what we can find particularly, uh, like, acceptable in a protagonist we're supposed to be able to empathize with. Yeah. Uh, I feel like manga is almost unique in that many of the protagonists are uniquely unlikable people uh, on a fundamental level. Not only level. unlikable, but almost uh, it, unlikable in an irredeemable way. Yes, in way. a truly repellent way. And in fact, another one of these manga, I have, I have something very specific to say about that. But but they begin to have a relationship together and, and strange and miraculous and things begin to develop between them. Obviously, like their connection is uh, more mystical in nature than you'd first assume. And they begin their great adventure together. I won't, you know, that's that's really where we're at. That's kind of the that's kind of what the story is going God. for. I think it's cool. It's fun. Uh, he is almost completely insufferable in every way, but uh, it gives him a lot of room for character growth. Uh, I mean, I so- will say, I will say, it's convenient then that he has like a magical destiny love interest. Uh, that is fated to be with him because he sounds like an awful dude. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's an awful dude and it's made even worse by how extraordinarily lucky he is. (laughs) I guess that's kind of the idea of the fool though, right? It's, it's cool. I don't know. It's fun to read. It's got a great look. Uh, I've only read seven chapters of it. I don't know. Uh, I think there's probably more, but I haven't been able to find any. Uh, And the story's really picking up and getting some weird places. So I, I really want to continue reading it. It's very strange. All right. Steel of Sun and Moon. I don't really know what... Maybe that's like a, there's some kind of uh, bigger significance to the Sun and Moon that I, I'm not picking up on, but uh, the steel part seems pretty well defined. Yeah. yeah metal. I get it. Uh, I get it. Yeah. Okay. No, I, hey, well, hey. No, I get it. You do the metal thing. Like, yeah, I the, get it. It's, it's like the, the metal thing that that he has going on okay all right tell me about kingdoms of ruin because i have heard of that that has does that have an anime out right now yes that anime started that was one of the big shows this season yeah that's one of them not isekai isekais that that i've been seeing where it's like basically the plot of an isekai but they don't bother with setting up the premise of of having like a person from another world it's just a power fantasy about about a dude um in like a generic fantasy setting sort of i I mean it's it does have tinges of of the isekai this one i would say is a little bit less like that this is more of your traditional like grim dark edgy fantasy story Mm -hmm. kingdoms of ruin is about a world of humans and witches and as the humans become technologically advanced they begin to fear the witches and 
when they become sufficiently advanced, they decide that uh, the witches, who have been nothing but helpful and supportive to humanity, uh, pose too much of a threat to live. So the humans start just genociding the witches. Yeah, no, that seems uh, about on character for humans. Yeah, I mean, this is not a this is not a stretch. Yeah, no, we do <laughs> that sometimes. <laughs> oh, we do that sometimes. This is the least edgy part of the entire story. <laughs> Uh, the edginess really kicks in where we join our main characters, which is a, a one a particularly renowned and powerful witch who has kind of given up on witchy society to, like, travel the world by herself. Just her and her little human boy companion, her her human apprentice, which is unheard of, but uh, she's, a, she's a real iconoclast. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, that, that iconoclastic nature of hers gets her caught by the... the great fear of humanity. Oh, I wish they wouldn't use that term. I, I actually, I don't know if they call him that, but he basically is that. Well, it's, they, it's they, not subtle. In Full Metal Alchemist, they do use that term specifically. Yes, I know, I know. And it's not the only one. They, they use it in other places, too. I, I really can't remember. They might have used it. They might have not. I don't remember. Uh, but he is that. And he's like obsessed with eradicating all witches before this like disease claims his life and so he gets his hand on this this very well-renowned witch and he's like i've done it i've got the big witch and they like they execute her in a really like groany edgelordy way and in a very public events with you know your all this sexual violence that you assume uh, an edgy manga would put in no i don't like that uh it's yeah it's very it's very lame and uncomfortable and, and uh, pretty off-putting right at the start of the story didn't they do that uh that's like a goblin slayer thing right uh yeah actually it's it's not as bad as what goblin slayer does well it's like someone read berserk and it's like oh yeah no i i get i get why berserk is good oh wink what but it's it's made baffling in in the goblin slayer context because from what i hear the show just completely mellows out after that and just becomes like a an extremely like generic fantasy yeah it was show. absolutely a ploy to get to get viewers in with you know, shock the audience into watching and then keep them around for whatever yes uh, manga is no stranger to the sexploitation uh, nature of genre, uh, and this is this is absolutely one of those cases where the story yeah. is very much like, oh, uh, you know, we're going to use every exploitation trick in the book to keep you like reading issue one, uh, in which uh, ironically almost drove me away. But I, I finished a couple of chapters, and the kid uh, basically gets I, a man in the iron mask for like a decade or two uh, until <laughs> by accident he's released. And the second he gets out of his man in the iron mask mask, uh-huh. he starts his, his human genocide. He goes, he goes full. I'm going to kill all, kill all humans. And he starts killing all humans. You, you know, you don't just transition right into that. You were thinking it before. Well, he definitely was thinking it a little bit before because like he's chilling with a witch during the times of the witch hunts. I mean, he's he's not super into humanity when he goes into the mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he's in the mask for like a decade or so. Uh, he comes out of the mask very pissed off, just starts immediately obliterating every man, woman, and child he can see. <laughs> he moves on pretty quickly to obliterating witches too, which is a big head scratcher. 
Uh, no, he's just killing at this point. He's just killing people. Like it, his whole motivation kind of falls apart pretty fast. Okay, uh, me... there's a lot of random bullshit that turns into. This is why I describe this as just like edge lord shit because would... like his his character motivation falls apart very quickly uh-huh. uh, into just I am edgy and I want to kill. <laughs> well, okay, so that seems to be like the evolution of a lot of sane and stuff. Does does this fall under that label, the Senin label? Would you say? Uh, yeah, I guess I would call it Senin in that there is all that sexual violence. Well, I just <laughs> I, think. I think that that's funny because okay, so there's like Shonen and Senin, which is supposed to be like you know you know young boy like Shonen stuff like Naruto, One Piece. Uh, young boy fantasy and then Satan is like the supposedly more mature one for yes for for teens and this is uh this is the mature grown-up manga but no it's like they're both for 12 year olds oh yeah no it's it's literally just the the amount of edgelord content like uh yeah like how much marbling is on a stake exactly it's it's really it, you can get it lean or you can get it fatty. I oh, mean, it's I really want your uh, I want that edgelord stuff seeping through each and every muscle fiber of of the manga I read. I want that A five wagyu seinen. <laughs> yeah, you want that wagyu. That's like well, I think the the main difference if you were like if you had to do like the pinky dip taste test. It would be the amount of like characters shouting out fighting moves. Wait, which is which is on which end of the spectrum here? If you encounter characters shouting out their fighting moves pretty regularly, that's that's shonen. <laughs> you got a shonen there, fella. Yeah, if you if characters aren't shouting out their moves before killing somebody, uh, and they have all the blood and guts and stuff, then that's that's senin. Uh, that's really the only difference. Okay, but that's not like a hard rule because sometimes they do like shout out their moves in in Senin manga. Yes, sometimes they do. Though in that case, it's being ironic, subversive, and ironic about it. Like, <laughs> look, look, we're doing the we're doing the hey. shonen thing, but you can tell we're for adults. Yeah. Hey, get it? Yeah. It's so funny how it's it's almost more shameful to do it that way because it's like you are ashamed of being into little kid stuff, so you need your little kid stuff to wear a big a big boy costume, <coughs> but it still wants to you still want it to be little kid stuff so that the big boy costume is still winking at you, you know? I can't believe you would call Zack Snyder out like that. Yeah, it's it's just it's annoying. It's annoying. Uh, this one is definitely like that. I I kind of was curious to see if it balanced out at some point. Um, so I did watch like the most recent episode of the anime, which is far past what I read. Uh-huh. And it seems like it has settled into a fairly generic anime at this point. So I, I definitely do not feel bad about dropping it. Well, uh, too bad for Zack Snyder's Kingdom of Ruin. Don't check it out. Honestly, I think it's it's not misogynistic enough for Zack Snyder. <laughs> uh, why don't you tell me about uh, Kagurabachi? Kagurabachi. Now, this one's interesting because a little bit ago, since this has only been published for, I want to say, two months, three months, maybe? It just started. Oh, you know what? So, I have been seeing this around. This is the big new uh, shonen manga. Yes. Ka- Kagurobachi uh, by Takeru Hokazono. 
uh, inexplicably was hyped up to ridiculous levels. I don't know why. The first chapter was good, but it wasn't like mind blowing. Well, I mean, you know, you know, the whole industry is an inside job. It's all fabricated. It clearly is. I, I can't uh, either. Either this was all like a big joke that people were playing or it was completely fucking uh, seeded by Shueisha. Uh, in in music terms, we would call that an industry plant. Uh, yeah, there there was definitely some kickbacks involved for sure. But I, I'm not, look, I, the, the, it's beside the point. I, I don't know what the deal with that was. Uh, Takeru Hokazono has never done anything before that I'm aware of. So I don't know what the deal with that was. But it is kind of exactly what we were talking about, where it is the uh, seinen uh, by virtue of being a shonen where the characters don't shout out their moves. Like, that really is, uh, <laughs> I mean, that is, this is like, uh, spot on exactly what we were just talking okay, about. Okay, is that like the biggest divide, like the biggest thing you can do to separate your manga between shonen and insane? And it's like, oh, they just they just fight each other. They don't shout out the moves. Uh, that makes it mature. There are other elements, like in- increased use of gore, obviously. Uh, occasionally, they have aged up characters, like in this case, uh, our main character chihiro his name's chihiro yeah chihiro yeah he 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 is an an adult looking person and he acts sort of like an adult so that is a big differentiator wait what do you mean adult looking person that's like a creepy way to phrase it (laughs) he's not drawn as if he is a child even in the the traditional anime way and this this has a kind of a unique a visual identity even though it's not the most it's not the most uh, standout visual identity, but he is not a child. He is like a f- mostly an adultish type person, but he does discover a child. And here, here is another marker of the Sanin. Uh He discovers a child who is in, in search of a bodyguard, right? This is some uh, serious Yojimbo shit. Classic. Yeah. Yojimbo, Lone Wolf and Cub, you know, the classic setup. She's on the run. She bumps into him pretty much by chance. He goes, I'll, yes, I'll help you. Turns out that she is, like, a super immortal who, like, immediately regrows her flesh when it's removed. <laughs> Dope. And uh, evil evil people are using her, her genetic material or, or muscle material or skin or bone or whatever the fuck. Her cells. Uh, to do nefarious things. And so the sentence part comes in that she's not just, like, a child he needs to protect— but she's also a child who is constantly having her limbs a- amputated by bad guys. <laughs> oh, so he's like bad at his job. Uh, he gets fucked up a lot and then the child gets taken every once in a while. It's happened a few times. There's only like 12 <laughs> issues and it's happened like three or four times. That's so, not no, I a guess great he's... ratio. Those aren't good numbers. Yeah, he's not He's not putting up MVP numbers. So that is the big Senin uh, differentiator, I suppose, besides the move shouting thing is that we have like body mutilation of a child. All right. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. There's like a cool hook about like magic swords. All right. He's a guy who fights with swords and his oh, sword well, is magic cool. and other people have magic swords that he fights against them to take them back. Well, hey, I love a magic sword. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much what you'd expect. Uh, he's not he's not an unsufferable main character. He's He's fairly likable. Is he a classic stoic? <laughs> sort of. I mean, kinda. He's he's a little more hot-headed, but he's not annoying. So that's a that's a huge plus for a manga about sword fighting. Oh, absolutely. 
if your intention is to make a manga, uh, if you're going to do one thing, I would say uh, don't make the main character annoying. Uh, make it someone that <laughs> the audience wants to spend time around. It's impossible not to, though. They have to. It's true. Uh, it, it comes with the the DNA of the format, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, does it live up to the hype? Uh, obviously not. That hype was clearly manufactured by Shueisha. But is it good? Yeah, it's it's a fun. It's it goes down smooth. I'll say that about Kagurabachi. Uh, how many thumbs? Well, I've only got the two, so uh, both of those two thumbs. All right, glowing endorsement. I'm not saying which direction, but. Uh, <laughs> Well, at least we know they both work. <laughs> Why not tell me? Uh, okay. Uh, Umineko, When They Cry. Okay, this is an interesting one because I just started this. I'm sure you're familiar with the very famous Higurashi, When They Cry. Yes. Yes, I am, actually. Yes. Visual novel of some renown uh, mm-hmm. translated into various manga uh, th- four or five times now. Umineko is... Also a visual novel, one that has also reached certain levels of acclaim. It's by the same guys or guy or or however it was produced. I'm not really sure. Uh, I never cared too much (laughs) to find out. Even though I do like Higurashi, I I think Higurashi is kind of cool. I would never sit down and play the visual novel, though. That's uh, totally beyond me. And I didn't want to sit down and play the visual novel of Umineko, even though I heard many, many good things about it. Luckily for me, they made a manga out of it, which is much more my style. Uh, a bit easier to digest, I'm sure. Yeah, it's, it's easier on my fucking clicking finger, too. Mm-hmm. Well, gotta preserve that. Yeah, I gotta save that for video games. Yeah. So I picked up the manga and uh, almost immediately greeted with one of the worst main characters I have had the displeasure to come across in, in a long time. Is this the character you were mentioning before? Yes, yeah. this is the character. Now we, we, come, we come across, I, I want to I make sure I get his full name. <laughs> Wait, oh, is it better or worse than Fate Graphite from Berserk of Gluttony? <laughs> it's worse. Oh no! It's, it's definitely worse. Oh, <laughs> uh, darkness, dementia, Raven Way. <laughs> the naming convention is basically that. Uh, his name is Battler Ushiromiya. Oh, oh man, Battler. <laughs> yes, Battler. And there is apparently a you know I can't read Japanese, but there is apparently. Wait, a, you're not a, supposed a, to let him know that. There's a there's like a kanji pun too, where like his name also translated to like attacker or something like that. So it's very clearly supposed to be like uh, the f- fighting guy is is basically his name. Big fighting guy. This guy. This guy fights. This is a fighting type guy. He's in, well, he's one of them fighters. Yes. We are introduced immediately to a big cast of characters. They're all this this very rich aristocratic family. There's many of them. They're setting up kind of uh, a big f- uh, squabble over the family inheritance. So they're all heading to the the ancestral manor mm-hmm. to have this big uh, uh, squabble over the inheritance, right? And we're introduced to Battler, and he's the one who's like, I'm too cool to care about inheritance. I'm like a cool young guy, and I'm I'm just showing up because like I haven't seen my family in a while because like I'm too cool for them and this whole aristocratic shit. I'm like way down to earth and cool. Hey, I like this guy already. He sounds cool. Yeah, he's great. And then uh, within two pages, he tries to grab his cousin's tits. <laughs> okay. Uh, and then he- Hey, you know, we've all been there yep 
Uh, and then uh, a couple more pages, he he uh, he tells his seven-year-old, no, his nine-year-old cousin that uh, she's going to have great tits when she grows up. See, I was worried when you said that she was seven, <laughs> but then you said that she was nine. And <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now that's okay. Yeah, much better. Uh, a chapter later, um, he meets his family's maid, and he decides that he's going to grab her tits. Uh, and gets upset when she when she doesn't say anything about it because she's a maid and she considers herself family furniture. Jesus Christ, dude. Yes. I'm sensing a pattern with this guy's behavior. Yeah, so it turns out this battler cannot go one page without commenting on any any breasts within immediate eyesight. Uh, and he really has to hold himself back from not immediately trying to grab them. Uh, which he thinks is a fun joke for some reason. I don't know if this is a weird uh, cultural thing that does not translate, but uh, he seems to think it's a funny joke to grab uh, women's breasts. I mean, I think I think it's a weird cultural thing that doesn't translate in the sense that maybe it's just not great to be a woman in Japan or like anywhere really seems like it's not very good. Yeah, it seems like uh, he is he is actively confused when people do not. Uh, find it a fun thing that he's doing to seem cool and funny. He sucks, like, really, really bad. Uh, he is constantly sexually harassing <laughs> every woman and child he comes across. Uh, but everybody thinks he's really cool and funny for doing it. Um, I hate him. <laughs> I'm glad that the story hints that, like, him and his entire family are going to die because I want that to happen. <laughs> the only person I truly feel sorry for is the maid uh, who is constantly being sexually harassed by every single person around uh, her, but <laughs> considers herself furniture, so it's okay. I don't understand how this isn't like like it. This sounds like porn, right? There are no there are no naked breasts. Okay, but <sighs> there is no uh, there is no sexually explicit content in this in this well novel. i mean it so far defined explicit because it sounds like this dude's groping everybody there there are no naked breasts the only contact he makes is uh brushing his hand over over the breasts uh, <laughs> i i mean that which almost makes it worse for me yes it's awful his behavior is not meant as some kind of audience surrogate sexual fulfillment thing it is just him being fucking creepy and annoying. Yeah. And are we supposed to like him? Because it sounds like yes. we're supposed to like him. He is supposed to be the cool, fun, like, player protagonist guy. I hate uh, That we like hanging out with because he's, like, cool and fun. Uh, also, there's a weird part where his dad remarried, so he has a stepmom. But he's like, I don't think of her as a stepmom. I think of her as, like, my cool older sister. Which is like, you know, I, I don't have a stepmom. I can't really tell anybody how they should feel about their stepmom. But there is just something that struck me as weird about that. I don't know. It seems maybe disrespectful to her, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I've never had a stepparent. It it raised my eyebrows. That's all I can say. That's all I can say about <laughs> all it. All right. Let's move on. I don't want to think about this anymore. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, it's, I'm baffled about the people who like legitimately said this is an incredible story. W what, what could possibly happen later on to make me change my mind about it? it? It better be something good. It has to be something incredible, right? Yeah. 
mind-blowing, revolutionary to the genre to overcome what you just told me right now. Yeah, so that's what's got me curious. I, <laughs> uh, I mean, it can't be. Knows? It can't just be this bad. Like it has to get good at some point, right? Right. It has to. You're falling. You're falling for the 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 tourist trap shit, dude. The the roadside <laughs> show shit. I mean, maybe, but you know what? The sad thing is, I've read worse. I've read way worse. That I don't even want to delve into. Yeah. Is there anything on this list that you consider worse than that? Well, let's keep going. Find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, why not um, Six No Trigger? Six No Trigger. This is not worse. This is much, much better. Oh, this is good. I, I've, you know, I'm not, not super sure if it's good. I, I think it's probably okay. Is it good comparative to Umineko? Yes. Oh, absolutely. All right. All right. Well, that's a jumping off point. Compared to Umineko, this fucking rules. Okay. Now, well, this is by Tali, who people who are smart might actually remember that uh, I've talked about before because they wrote that... <laughs> That one that I never got an actual English translation of the title, so I need to look at what it was called. <laughs> hey, give me the title. I'll I'll see what Google Translate says it is. It is called Shumatsu no Jinrui ni Bunmai wa Hitsoyu Deska. <laughs> oh, you just just text me that, dude. Yeah. Wait. Look. I, <laughs> that's it's a whole thing. Anyway, that's the one about. Yet again, a quote-unquote post-apocalypse. The the guy and the girl who are traveling around, Pikmin-like finding quote-unquote artifacts that are actually uh, just kind of leftovers from an older civilization like a tape player and comic books and a Game Boy and stuff, uh, which I said at the time I think uh, was extraordinarily charming, uh, and I absolutely loved it. Really, really fucking great. So this is something that they did before that, and uh, it's not as great. Uh, <laughs> okay, so I we know Shumatsu means record of because Shumatsu no Valkyrie, record of Ragnarok. If you're trying to puzzle it out, I mean, I cannot help you. I, I was trying to puzzle it out. I do not speak <laughs> Japanese. I wanna I wanna be very clear about that. Six No Trigger is about a guy who has a fake left hand. He's a hitman, as all first stories written by aspiring screenwriters uh, eventually end up on. That's like, they do actually teach you that in film school is do not write a story about a hitman. I mean, I, I've been saying this literally since I was in the script writing class. Like the first thing people always want to do is write about hitmen. Uh, it's the kind of the most amateurish thing you can do. Uh, thanks, Tarantino. Yeah, really did a number on, on a whole generation. Yeah, so... Well, it's hard to blame it all on him, but uh, but man, it is man is it exhausting? It sure is exhausting. So it's about a hitman. He has a fake left hand, uh, and he carries around a big case with him. Uh huh. All right. And he's kind of mysterious. He's a mysterious guy, and he's made even more mysterious when he takes his hand off and replaces it with one of the hands that he keeps in his case. And when he does that, he turns into uh, a schoolgirl or a young boy or a huge wrestler or an old school samurai, uh, depending on which hand he decides to slot into his left arm. Okay. Each one of them has their own abilities and powers. Now this is starting to sound more like a indie side-scrolling platformer, right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. 
uh, yeah, but but no, this is this is actually uh, a twenty chapter manga. Yeah, you know what? This is uh, this is actually reminding me of Killer Seven, uh, that Suda Fifty One game. It absolutely is Killer Seven, but one less. <laughs> but Killer Six. Killer Six. Yeah, there's. I mean, it's fun. There's not much to it. There's is an attempt at kind of deepening the mystery around that, but the gimmick it really is the whole thing. It's a the, the guy has six guys in him. One guy is six guys, and they all do cool fighting stuff. Yeah, so it's 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 fine. It's fine. It's fine. It has the art? It's good. Uh, I think Tali have obviously improved as they went along. I think the one that I said earlier uh, has much better art, but this looks fine. It's got its own quirks that I like. I can't wait for them uh, to do something else because I think it'll be even better. They're improving by leaps and bounds, those two. Well, good on them. Yeah. All right. Why don't we uh, take a break and then uh, we can knock a few more of these out. All right. Death Spiral, once again, continuing on this this grueling task of knocking out stuff from Remy's read list here. I got to get them out. I've got to get them out. They're backing up. It's it's causing a real blockage. We just need to, to kind of blow the whole system, start fresh. Uh, why don't then we continue on and you can tell me about um, what sounds cool. Uh, Haibayoshi. Haibayoshi. Haibayoshi is one of the weirdest things on this list. You'll see in my note. <laughs> yeah, that's what drew me to it. In vitro blackjack, yes. And I wrote that because I wasn't really sure <laughs> how else to describe Haibayoshi. Mizurio. Now, okay. Mizui, Mizurio? I don't know how to pronounce that. I, I don't know. In vitro blackjack is, is it about a fetus detective or a grown, a grown adult who is investigating fetuses for crimes? I mean, it would be pretty dope if it was blackjack, but he was in vitro. He was literally in vitro. <laughs> yeah. That would be very funny. This is by uh, Okazaki Mari, who you'll remember did Bathroom Guwa and BX, uh-huh. which I, I both really, really fucking love. I think their art is gorgeous. This was a series she did. I have no idea. I've only ever managed to find the first chapter, but I want to read more. It's about a mysterious in vitro doctor who works at a, a an in vitro clinic for couples that can't get pregnant uh, in traditional ways. They come to this doctor who is extraordinarily beautiful and androgynous. A fertility clinic. Yes, a fertility clinic. Uh, who Their gender is uh, never never actually exposed, so I have no idea. Uh, this is this is the gender is a big question mark of our main character. Their name is hold on, let's see. Uh, Ayumu Mizusawa. I, Ayuma Mizusawa is our main character, a genius embryologist. Uh, I, I do want to say that 
that the entry on Mangaka Lot uh, does call out the character as genderless. So I think that's how we're supposed to read it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's impossible to say because it's never specified. So they are so in tune with people getting pregnant that it's almost like a magical power that they have that they can like perfectly cultivate... (laughs) Like the egg so that it is always like matched up <laughs> with like the perfect uh, recipient or s- I'm not really sure where the magic is happening. I'm not sure what separates a good in vitro specialist from a bad one. I just don't know enough about that uh, sounds like the worst fucking superpower. <laughs> I, I don't know. what. The I deal hate is. that. Uh, I would be pissed. I would be pissed if that was my special power uh, because I hate kids. Well, they're really, yeah, but they're really passionate about people being able to procreate if they want to. Uh, And they're like really proud of their job. Uh, They're very mysterious and they're the quiet type, but they're extraordinarily capable in the lab. We go through kind of stories of different couples uh, who have their own uh, various problems and situations as to why they want to get pregnant and why they can't. Uh, and those problems are solved by the extraordinary ability of our Blackjack-esque Ayumu, who is a genderless genius embryologist. <laughs> I really don't know what else to say about this series. Uh, Kazuki Mari is uh, an inc- incredible artist. The The way the characters are drawn, the way the comic is drawn is is fantastic. I don't I don't really care what they're writing about because I know I will have a good time because the art is that good. So this is just a weird one. It's just weird. Uh, not in a bad way like some of the other ones. Uh, I think this is weird in a good way, but it is baffling. All right. I mean, I'm interested. Uh, I like weird in a good way. I think that's one of the best qualities you can have. Honestly, I think just this didn't even have the, like the dialogue bubbles filled in. It would still be worth reading because the art is really great. Uh, okay, well, I was going to ask you to tell me about this next one, but I think the title is is the entire premise. The guy she was interested in wasn't a guy at all. Like, that's it. That's the whole thing, right? Yes. Look, if <laughs> if that title doesn't say... Uh, whether you you would like it or not, the the actual comic itself isn't gonna like change your mind. Yeah, no, it's it's all right there. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> a girl who, you know, I I I hesitate to call her annoying because manga tends to have a hard on about hating teenage girls. Um, but uh, it's not just manga, dude. I, I yes, I know, but we're talking. <laughs> We're talking about manga on the show. When we talk about all the other shit that hates teen girls, we could talk about it in that way. Uh, right. In this manga, the teen girl is sort of uh, portrayed as, at first, kind of like shallow and annoying, like kind of a real stereotypical like mean girls girl. But we are we are let in on her secret, which is that she really likes Nirvana. Wow, so unique. Yeah, and also she really likes stone temple pilots oh no oh wow she's so weird and quirky yeah and and you know what uh she actually like listens to black sabbath oh my god yeah pretty cool right yeah uh she knows who beck is This is the coolest girl that's ever lived in japan (laughs) basically she's like really into like 80s and 90s like rock and alternative that's that's the narrative version of like the the nerdy girl that gets hot after taking off her glasses 
Like that's that's what that is. No, it's the reverse. It's like the hot girl putting the glasses on to reveal that she's a fucking '90s alternative rock nerd. Uh, people think that I'm so hot and cool, but actually, I like rock music from the '90s. The wrong generation. Thing I like the least about this comic is it is dripping with the wrong generation type energy, which yeah. I just really don't like. I've talked uh, endlessly about how I think uh, it's weird that like. Uh, people have kind of stopped moving uh, forward musically and have just kind of like sit and decided that like actually what my parents introduced me to is good music and everything else is like pop bullshit. I'm very against that mindset. People, you should absolutely be against that mentality. Otherwise you end up like me, uh, a 33 year old that listens to Paul Simon. <laughs> yeah. It hasn't, hasn't listened to a new record in 20 years. Yeah. so she goes to her favorite record place right because she Mm -hmm. obviously she has like a a a favorite record place uh it doesn't seem like she just listens to music on her phone so i don't know what she needs at a record store like what is she going to do i i don't know she doesn't have a vinyl player or it's interesting because in this day and age like you're saying record stores are like they're a niche hobby they're a specialist shop that you go to yeah right nobody buys physical media anymore unless you're making a statement about buying it it's just very strange but she goes there and she hangs out and she likes well here okay so here's the thing is that she likes getting music recs from the hot dude at the the album store right this is she hangs out there this is high fidelity and there's like a yeah, there's like a hot older guy that she's like crushing on and, and she talks music with him and they swap like cool singles. And his, his name is John Cusack. Yeah, no, I, I've seen He's this like movie. He's like way cooler than John Cusack. John Cusack's a fucking nerd. <laughs> and she's like, she's like way into this dude. And she doesn't really know anything about him. And he's like kind of, he plays a pretty anonymous in fact, I think most of the time when she's in there, he's got like a big scarf on or like wearing a mask or whatever, you know? But she could tell he's really hot because like his piercings and tattoos and stuff. When she's at school though, she has to kind of pretend like she's not into alternative rock for some reason. I guess, I don't know. Do you get made fun of for liking alternative rock in Japan? Well, I mean, everybody everybody in Japan knows that only lesbians listen to Nirvana. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a weird thing that the comic kind of assumes you understand. Like, hey, no, hey, get it. She listens to Nirvana. Yeah, and and kind of by accident, like, the nerdy, the kind of, like, loser nerdy girl that she sits next to in class kind of, like, sees her iPod or or her her iPhone one day and, like, sees that she's listening to, like, I don't know, Iron Maiden or whatever, and she's like, oh, I also like that. But she's, like, kind of not, she doesn't want to be associated with, like, the nerd girl, so she kind (laughs) of pretends like she didn't, like, hear that. She's like, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to uh, acknowledge that the nerd girl is into the same shit as me. I only listen to Hatsune Miku. Yes, but the nerd girl, uh, she also listens to alternative rock. And in fact, uh, she works at a record store. And in fact, she works at the record store the hot girl goes to all the time. And in fact, she talks to that hot girl and gives her recommendations about music all the time in the record store because it turns out that guy is her, the nerd girl. The, oh, God, I didn't see it coming at all. That was totally untelegraphed in every way. That chick fucking fell in love 
uh, with this nerd-ass girl that she, like, pretends not to know in class every day. Oh, don't you hate it when that happens? And this nerd girl has, like, let it gone on, like, way too long, and she's, like, way too awkward to, like, bring it up to her. Like, hey, but, I'm like, actually... But, like, she knows. Like, she knows what's going on, right? Obviously she knows. She's both people. <laughs> she, yeah. She's the one that knows everything, but she can't say it because she's not sure... First of all, she's not sure how she feels about this girl. Like, uh, some confusing... You know, they're... They're teen girls. They have some confusing feelings about what's going on here. Um, and second of all, it does feel like she was kind of playing it up a little bit at the record store. Like, she wasn't making it super obvious that she was the nerd girl in class. Uh, she was wearing a mask and the big scarf and all that shit. I mean, if you've cultivated two separate personalities like that, like, you want to you wanna keep them separate at that point. It's, o- it's only natural. You want to keep them separated? Yeah. You want to keep them separated like that song that they listen to because they're in a 90s alternative? <laughs> I don't like that I'm being called out for listening to The Offspring right now, okay? Yeah, yeah. I, they definitely mention The Offspring at some point. I'm almost certain that they, they mention Offspring. Yeah, so it turns into a very fun, cute, like, kind of Yuri comedy of errors romance thing it's very cute it's fun it's funny it's super lightweight all right i like light yeah Uh, it's uh, we need refreshing stuff every every once in a while yes it is it is refreshing Uh, the only problem is that they lean on the central gag for so long that you start getting like are they gonna advance this story or what but that's every that's every what if at some point they just totally abandoned the plot and just started assuming like that they were two separate people they just totally abandoned that it was one person trying to be two people. They actually split into two different people, like, physically? Yeah, like that movie Lost Highway. That would be a pretty intense twist. I, I would definitely be rehooked. <laughs> Why don't we talk about um, Madara Moyo no Yoi? Ah, uh, Madara Moyo no Yoi. <laughs> Whatever that is. I wonder. I wonder if it has a translation. This is another one that started fairly recently. And not a lot is out about it, but I like it. This is a story of a girl. This has a great fucking issue one and issue two back to back because we're introduced to a girl and she's got spots. And you're like, what's up with that? Why has she got spots? She's spotted? Yeah, like a... Like like she has vitiligo or something? No, she just has spots like a Dalmatian. Oh, okay. And it's weird. Sometimes there's only one on her face. But for some reason, sometimes there's more. Oh, so they come and go. Yeah. What's more pressing is that she seems to be like in a state of like extreme depression to the point where she finds it physically taxing to even get up off her bedroom floor. Yeah, no, that doesn't seem out of the ordinary for me. She's really, really not into it. In fact, the only thing that can actually get her up off of her bedroom floor and out of her room is hearing her parents talk about... (laughs) Gets hiring a hitman to kill her because <laughs> they so fucking—they're so fucking sick of her shit. And she's like, "Damn, I know I suck, but that's really intense. I better get out of here." So she skedaddles, um, but she doesn't really know like what to do because uh, she's a girl with spots and she's doesn't have a job or a car or friends, a uh, place to stay. She doesn't have friends. She doesn't have any friends. No. All she could do was lie on her fucking bedroom floor. Because of the spots? Eat cookies. No, because of her horrible depression. Oh, okay. That's unrelated to the spots. Uh, Well, we don't really know, but it seems like it's more about, like, how much she fucking has terrible parents. 
because that's pretty clear. She, her parents suck shit. Yeah, no, they sound like they suck. Yeah, they're pretty immediately awful. Uh, so I think she hates her parents pretty bad. So, you know, as you do, you end up homeless, wandering the streets, and you get picked up by a con woman who tries to sell your organs to the, the local mob. I mean, I, I judge her, but I've been in that exact scenario so yeah it's you know it it happens to the best of us luckily for our our girl here right as uh they're about to get in up in them guts uh literally uh she kind of like cracks an eye and goes like hey um you're not you're not taking my organs are you and they kind of laugh it off like ha 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 you know why would we do that uh this scalpel no it's it's for uh, it's something. It's for something else. I was I was having uh, my dinner. Wait, why 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 else would they have the scalpel and be putting her under? What did she think was happening in that scenario? No, she was just I don't know taking a nap maybe, uh, and these people were just hanging out. Who knows? Anyway, seems incredibly naive. But go on. She kind of like blacks out, and when she wakes up, uh, they're all still there, um, but they're in chunks. Oh, okay. Like on the walls. Dope. On the ceiling. I mean, she's drenched like head to toe in blood. And she's got more spots. You know, that happened to me a year at, at Fanime. Totally to, totally ruined the whole trip for me. Yeah, yeah. And also you were a hitman. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you read my script. Um, Yeah, this is a weird one. It seems like it's going to be a story about genetic modification. Oh, I thought they were going to... This sounds like a Manchurian candidate thing. That's where my mind instantly went that... Really? That she... Yeah, that... That's very telling. Really? Yeah. How so? Well, that you just assume people, like, are little mindless puppets. You think all teen girls are just head empty, uh, <laughs> <laughs> open to suggestion, uh, incapable of acting under their own wills, you know? I know that about you. And capable of great violence, yes. Yeah, and capable of great violence, as destructive <laughs> as they are. Well, you saw right through me. Madara Moyo no... Uh, Yoi by Asada Nemui is kind of going weird places. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, really, kind of, that's all we have right now is that she she seems to have been genetically modified uh, at some point, and she has access to incredible violence, even though she is uh, almost debilitatingly depressed about it. So I'm I'm excited to read more. I think that looks cool. Okay, uh, let's move on to. Uh Maggi Lumiere Company Limited. Ah, yes. Maggi Lumiere. Maggi Lumiere is yet another uh, entry in the uh, new wave, subversive, magical girl genre. Is there any other way to do a magical girl show these days? I feel like they're all subversions of the magical girl genre. The problem is if you want to do... If you want to do a straight magical girl, you have to kind of compete with the big ones, the big boy, the big girls. <laughs> uh, and like there is an infinite amount of remakes of Sailor Moon and Cardcaptor Sakura. Uh, so you, you would have to go head to head with that. And why would you do that? It's a tough market to break into. Yeah, definitely. Wait, what are you going to do? You're just going to be better than Sailor Moon? Probably not. You're going to want your own twist on it. So what's this twist? They have their own twist here, which is that uh, an ill-defined kind of evil goop <laughs> the evil grime exists in reality some kind of uh teenage mutant ninja turtle zoos it's more metaphorical it's sort of like the the grit and grime of like being alive in the modern society has taken uh it's tr it's transitioned from the metaphysical to the physical 
and sort of manifests itself in like weird blobby monsters every once in a while. These are more like natural disasters than they are like evil villains in a regular Magical Girl series. So to combat these, uh, an entire industry has sprung up around turning regular girls into magical girls so that they can like go and defeat the the, the grime. Okay. And most of the industry has been cornered by like huge industrial companies who have the kind of the capital and and political weight to corner the market on the magical girl industry. But there is one startup uh, started by a venture capitalist who really loves magical girls and is really good at turning uh, his his little home business into a magical girl powerhouse. Our main character kind of accidentally enters into the the employ of this this venture capitalist, this startup entrepreneur, entrepreneur, uh, and joins their joins their their magical girl startup. And so a lot of the a lot of the comic is is about startup culture and entrepreneurship and like running a small business and like how to recruit employees when you're still like in a small office space and how like passion passion, dedication and good customer service can beat out the 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 big 4. <laughs> it's uh, but also there's like magical girl stuff. Sometimes they do magical girl stuff. They don't really dive into what magic is or why it manifests itself in magical girls to begin with. We don't know what magic is, but we can charge money for it. Uh, yeah. It, it, also, all the magic is apparently programmed. It's written into like some kind of computer code, I guess, and then uploaded to the magical girls. So... What, they weird... have like a tech guy like sending them new moves and stuff that they yes, can they use? literally have like they are on comms with their tech guy and he's like i'm programming the new magic spell i'll send it to you now and then huh. he hits send and they cast the spell which creates a very strange gender dynamic where we're like well the girls are the magical conduits but at the end of the day it, there is a man in a chair giving them the spells that they use which I don't think gets examined. I mean they sound like they sound like drones, like military drones. Uh yeah, they sort of are. In fact, there's one there's one girl who's like the top earner at one of the other companies and her whole thing is like, "Oh, I am a lifeless husk. I live to serve. I am a magical drone. Uh this is all I do." Uh <laughs> which is again kind of brings that weird gender thing I just mentioned into Stark Relief. I don't think it's interested in exploring that particular aspect of it. It's more like, hey, isn't it funny that like magical girls would be like a startup company? It's okay. Let's recontextualize it though. Weird. What if it's a startup company about a dude who is like a private military contractor and just has his own fleet of murder planes that he sends out? to like kill people and shit. Well, as long as those people are bad, I mean, then we have pretty much every comic book ever written, right? Oh boy. I mean, isn't that Iron Man? I mean, it's definitely Iron Man after the movie version of him. I think he was mostly just an alcoholic before that. He built that suit in a cave with a, a box of scraps. Uh, okay, yeah, all right, we we get it. I mean, that's, that's, that's startup culture. A rugged individualist. Yeah, so this is, it's cute. I think it's fun. It's a fun story, and we have cute characters, and and I like the art, and the the plot rolls along pretty smoothly. I just think there are some dynamics at play here that are under-examined, uh, which is, 
I know one of my common refrains about a lot of manga, but in this case, it seems doubly true. It's almost a requirement of manga to be tackling uh, huge philosophical issues that they are no way prepared to to address, like in a nuanced way. If even putting huge philosophical issues to the side i think the idea of saying there is a man telling the magical girls how to cast spells is like a really weird statement to make yeah for a genre that is traditionally thought of as like female empowerment uh, it, it seems like a very strange way to disempower the females <laughs> uh yeah that's 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 magi lumiere by uh, Seka Iwata and Yu Aoki. 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 No, like Steve Aoki. Yeah. Aoki. Oh, wait, is this, um... I don't know, for some reason when I Googled it, it uh, brought up Witch Watch as, as related. Witch Watch uh, yeah. is a completely different thing. Yeah. Witch Watch is a reverse harem comedy about a girl who has a bunch of yokai boyfriends. Hot. I'm into that. <laughs> well, you can read that later. <laughs> All right. How about um, uh, this is one that I've been hearing uh, some talk about. Uh, Kengan Ashura. That's the new fighting manga that people are talking about. It's not very new. It's been around for a while. Um, and there was a Netflix anime for a little while back. I mean, I would like to point out that I am 78 years old, so it's yes. relatively new to me. Relatively new to you, yes. Kengan Ashura has a good look to it. It's got great art. It's got a, a pretty good visual sense of humor, but I find it to essentially be like I've written. I made a note here that it is diet baki, and that is, I find that to be pretty much true. It is another fighting manga that is about hand-to-hand combat in the mixed martial arts tradition. It is very dedicated to the idea of being semi-realistic about those fights while also still being in the myth-making industry. Mm-hmm. The main character is not as interesting as Baki. Uh, he he doesn't have that much personality at the beginning of the comic, and that kind of makes him pretty unlikable. There's a couple of fun narrative quirks that I like a little more than what happens in Baki, but ultimately I think it boils down to the fact that like Baki is Baki, and everything else is not Baki. Is just fighting. Is just fighting. You know what I mean? And I'm looking at some stuff. You didn't even mention that the uh, Netflix anime was some real terrible looking CGI. There's some CGI in there. Yes. Yeah. I that's I don't really have much to say about Kengen Asher. It's just not Baki. All right. What about um, something that's completely the opposite of that? Me and the Devil Blues. Yeah. Me and the Devil Blues. This is a particularly strange one. Me and the Devil Blues. This is another one by Hiramoto Akira. Now, if that name sounds familiar to you, this is the raw hero and Futari Switch and prison school guy. Uh, I believe this was uh, his first manga ever. And it is so extraordinarily unlike any of those other mangas that it really, I had to like quadruple check that this was the same person. Well, it's so weird because, you know, uh, uh, Futari Switch just ended the manga's first like major part, part one. I guess so. So that's kind of getting talked about right now. Uh, I saw it on the news sites, <laughs> but this is like a very weird premise. This is about uh, blues guitarist Robert Johnson. This is a, f- a fictionalized biography of Robert Johnson that takes the idea of him gaining his blues powers by meeting the devil at the crossroads at midnight very literally 
this is sort of a horror story slash biography of blues guitarist Robert Johnson. It has a style that is extraordinarily unique. It is unlike any other manga. Well, it, it doesn't look like any of the other guys' art. It's it's totally different. No, it is it is very different. It looks great. I think it looks fantastic. I mean, this is this is unlike anything Hiramoto Akira has ever done. But all the other stuff I think is also extraordinarily good. Like Akira's art is incredible. I think they're like a supernaturally gifted uh, manga artist. But this is in its own strange league. It is impressionistic. It uses techniques that he doesn't use in any of the other things. It's a full mastery of color. And uh, also it's it's about, it's like all about black people. Which... I mean, okay, so that was like what <laughs> I was worried most about it. Uh, I, I don't wanna, I wanna give him the benefit of the doubt, but uh, I can't, it's hard for me to imagine uh, a Japanese author's take on on the the racial aspect of this of Robert Johnson's life. Uh, yeah. Well, I will say this. You know, I'm I'm not black. I can't I cannot make those calls with any kind of authority. I personally found it to be fairly respectful. If you know, occasion every once in a while, maybe tiptoeing around some not great things, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but ultimately a much, much more respectful and humanizing uh, depiction of black people, especially black culture uh, where, you know, Robert Johnson exists within an entire society of black people. There are basically no other kinds of people in the story. Uh, I think it's pretty well done, all things considered, in that aspect. I find the the story itself to be respectful uh, and also like interesting and well done. And it takes, it exaggerates the things that are fun to exaggerate about the Robert Johnson myth. And it grounds things that, uh, deepen the, the idea of a, a biography about Robert Johnson, uh, without tipping it back into like, uh, trying to do historiography, right? Uh -huh. It is so unique in all of the manga landscape. It's hard to even talk about it because it is it is something else. It is something else. And the fact that this guy went from this, a truly artistic and extraordinary expression of a subject matter that you do not find in a lot of manga, you know, stuff like the intersection between blues, suffering, slavery, and the American South, uh, straight into drawing like the most fucking like lowbrow pervert sex comedy <laughs> shit you've ever seen is... <laughs> that is jaw-dropping. I don't know how to explain this. Because when when you first told me about the premise, my worry is that it would be a shonen-type manga about, about Robert Johnson shouting out uh, blues-themed power moves at the devil. No, you're thinking of Blue Giant. Oh, you're right, I am. I'm f that's right, that's right. I'm taking fucking shots at Blue Giant. <laughs> uh, fuck a jazz manga <laughs> come on man get it uh, together yeah. it is it is unlike that at all and all, all I have to say is it must be that this, the failure of this manga uh, was so traumatizing to Hiramoto that uh, he just pivoted to the most like crass lowbrow <laughs> shit just to like be like fuck you and fuck this stupid industry. Wow, that's all the that's the only way I can explain it. Uh, 
Almost like he made a deal with the devil. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the devil that is Shuisha. Yeah. <laughs> or whoever okay. fucking published Prison School. Yeesh. Uh, okay, we only got a couple more, and then uh, then we have knocked out a sizable chunk of this list here. Let's uh, just, let's kill him off. Let's get let, him through. Yeah, uh, Invisible Joe, go. Okay, Invisible Joe is cool as hell. Uh, it is very short. It is uh, a little a little pocket shonen, like I wrote here. Invisible Joe is by Kaneshiro Muniyuki and Kesara Sera, which I have to imagine is a pen name because Kesara Sera. Like, are you kidding me? Oh, I get it. Oh, I just got that. Wow, you got it. You got it. Kaneshiro Muniyuki is uh, the guy from Blue Lock, so he's he's taken off. Okay, soccer manga. Yeah, Visible Joe though, uh, only seventeen chapters, so very short lived. It's kind of like a perfect pocket sized shonen. Like I said, it's it's weird. It has great twists. It completely subverts the formula, but in a way that I don't think I've seen anywhere else. And it does it in uh, like a, a breezy seventeen chapters. It's very very fun. It's about. Uh, the, the most standard setup you could possibly imagine. Uh, human beings are awakening to powers. Mm-hmm, uh, our mm-hmm. main man, Joe, has the power to turn invisible when he sucks a lollipop. His invisibility is fun because it does not include his body hair, so he has to shave his entire body like every week. <laughs> his eyebrows and his hair and all of his body hair, and he has to wear fake eyebrows and a wig to school every day. Uh, which is very funny to me. Uh, when he goes invisible, he does not have any body hair at all, and he looks really funny. It gets really dark, but in a, it's still a fun way, not in an edgelordy way. There's, you know, good moments where it's like he, he realizes fairly early that he's being used for his invisibility powers, and he doesn't understand why, and he doesn't understand why he's fighting for justice at all. Uh, it wraps up in a really just truly bonkers, insane way, but in a really fun way. It's breezy. It, the art looks great. It's it's stupid, dumb fun. It's great. That's my favorite kind of fun. Yeah, and the invisibility is just really funny. It's just a really fun way to do invisibility. And he doesn't get, like, pervy with it because that's, like, the, the one thing, the one thing that everyone does with invisibility. No, I think everybody makes the joke, like, hey, you're you're an invisible man, so you must do the pervy shit, and he's like, I don't get it. He's just, he's, he sounds like a, sounds like a good guy, I'm gonna be honest. He can only turn invisible when he's sucking on a lollipop, so... The imagery is pretty clear in its symbolism, I would say. It's, it's weird, uh, he can't just turn it on and off, so I think that's what keeps us in in straight territory. Okay. All right. Uh, Until your sword breaks, go. Until your sword breaks. This is sort of uh, a hybrid shonen romance type thing. It's about two friends. One, specifically the girl, I think is positioned as our protagonist. She is desperate to make her, her male friend fall in love with her. And at first we think it's just kind of a gaggy thing where it's like, oh, she's so in love with him and he's so oblivious he can't, figure it out it kind of starts there Mm -hmm. but we soon discover that he's actually on basically a uh a a suicide mission really he he wants to like suicide himself to kill the the emperor or whatever okay yeah understandable he's really into that and she is she's the only person he can confide in and she doesn't want him to do that (laughs) so she feels like if he loves her he'll have a reason to live and so we follow her her antics that soon become very sad once you 
understand the, the point behind them of her desperately trying to get his oblivious ass to fall in love with her. Yeah. Uh, so that she, she can save his life. It has, you know, stuff going on. There's lots of stuff going on in the story. There's a, there's a whole plot. Uh, there's backstory. There's reasons. There's character motivations. Uh, I think they're all fairly good. But uh, it all boils down to that central gag. And I think the central gag is like, it's a good hook. It's a great hook. That sounds like an extremely toxic relationship and and a bad foundation uh, of forming a relationship. So I can only assume that it's funny. It's it's good. It's good. (laughs) Okay. Um, What else we got? Uh, Sanzame no Kamitayo. Yes. Sanzenme no Kamitayo. You, yeah, you got there. <laughs> you got there, bud. Sanzenen no Kamitayo. God damn it. This one's by Kato uh, Fumitaka. This is uh, this is like 47 chapters. It's not it's not super long. This is a, a really strange looking manga. Almost like one of those manga that uses a lot of reference material to the point where you can kind of tell. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You mean tracing. They're tracing. Well, not tracing. Not not tracing, but there's a, a feeling to it. There's like a feeling of tracing a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, th- that being said, I don't want to say it looks bad because I do think there's lots of really, really great art in it. But it's about uh, a very, <laughs> very lucky young man uh, who happens to meet a god who wants to stop being a god. And so he decides to just accompany her on her hike through the, the borderlands between godhood and humanity. And they kind of just have like a fun, leisurely walk uh, through various uh, f- physicalized metaphors. Um, <laughs> and they have, you know, philosophical conversations with each other. And uh, he kind of doesn't get that she has a crush on him. Um, they meet with other like wacky characters. It's just one of those strange things. It's not really a slice of life, I would say, but it this, has that kind of energy. This sounds like the non-boring version of Spice and Wolf uh, to me. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't well, I, know. Uh, Spice and Wolf is ba- is basically this, but replace all of like the interesting conversations and philosophical pondering and like cool locations and just like replace it with them talking about about feudal mercantilism and the price of grain sure sure (laughs) i guess so well let me like a couple a couple of chapter headings one of them's called uh divination lunch set uh one's called wanting to do a (laughs) backflip i do want to do a (laughs) backflip yeah uh, one of them's called "What is it, little brat?" Uh, <laughs> one of them's called "High Class Seal." One of them's called "I guess this happens sometimes." It's so you you get the picture. Yeah, get no, picture. I get it. I, I get where they're yeah. going. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's a fun little thing. It's nice to have a, a change of pace like that every once in a while. Uh, and is this the is this a long going one? You said this was what seventeen chapters? No, this one's like forty seven chapters. Okay, a bit longer. Yeah. Oh, where do we peg? Okay, we haven't really talked about this before, but what do we? How do we gauge what counts as a long manga? I've talked about this. I consider something around 100 chapters, 100, 150, to be a, a normal uh, success, like a normal amount like of success. Like start to, start to finish, 150 chapters is like average. 100 to 150 is like that is a successful attempt at a manga. 
Like that is a commercially success, a mild success, right? Mm -hmm. I say once you pass 200 to 300, you're talking about something like, uh, you're talking about something that gets like hefty. That's like, we're talking about some, some heavyweight shit. Uh, and then there are the outliers, which are, you know, 500 to a thousand chapters. And then we're talking about tomes. Those are, those are big boys. Uh, truly powerhouses. Yeah. Anything, you know, 70 or less, I consider lightweight. Okay. And, and if you stop it at 17 chapters, that's barely existing at all. Yeah. That's like, that's, yeah. I consider that uh, basically a short, a short novel at that point could have, you know, if, if the concept of a graphic novel existed in the manga industry, which I really wish it did, uh, I would consider that like a single graphic novel. I mean, doesn't it though? I thought uh, manga artists release one shots and stuff like that all the time. Yeah, but one shots are not the same as a graphic novel. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's uh, this could have been a great graphic novel, but instead it's a 47 uh, chapter short story. Okay, we've reached the last on the list of stuff that was that was in your back catalog. Tell me about Shinigami no Hatsuki. Oh, so close. We're so close. Okay. Uh, Shinigami no Hatsuki. And that's not that's not even the full title. Hold on. I. Oh, yeah. No, I see now. You put an ellipses in here. Yes. So the name of this is... Oh, now, bear with me, please. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm really... This is a lot of guesswork on my part, so don't fucking... Don't come at me, okay? This is called Shinigami no Hatsukoi... Uh, Botsuraku Kozaku no Reijo wa ai wo shiranai Shinigami ni Totsuku yu. Totsugu. Nailed it. <laughs> I got it. By <laughs> Asahina Kyo Chiotoke. Man, I really hope a Japanese person never listens to this show. Look, I'm doing, I'm doing my best, okay? I'm not trying to fuck up. I'm, try, <laughs> I'm trying really hard. I'm just not very good at it. This is a story... It's sort of a sort of a romance a little bit about a girl who lives in like the early 1900s Japan. Her family was wealthy, but uh, due to the economic machinations, she falls on hard times and is essentially sold uh, to another wealthy family as like uh, a maid to humiliate her, I suppose. I kind of, they frame it a little bit like that. And that family, because apparently you just own the people that work for you. Okay, uh, that's decide. slavery. You're de you, you're describing slavery. Yes, yeah, well, mercantilism. <laughs> uh, <laughs> serfdom. Yeah. Whatever you want to call the the state of capitalism in early 19th, uh, late 19th century, early 20th century Japan. Uh, she lives in this small village she's getting humiliated every day uh there's a plague some kind of you know outbreak of illnesses and these rich people are so stupid they genuinely think it's like a shinigami has cursed their village uh so they fucking get this girl and they take her they take her ass out into the middle of nowhere and tell her not to come back and that she's a sacrifice to the shinigami and this chick plays along uh, because again, I guess she's been so fucked up by class stratified society that she thinks it's like her duty to just go off and die if it'll make people feel better. Really, <laughs> really fucked up shit. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But hey, luckily for her, she wanders into a shrine that's not supposed to be there. And uh, there's a Shinigami and he's he's living there. 
He's just chilling. And she's like, oh, God, oh, uh, you're going to you're going to kill me to to end the plague. And he's like, what plague? What the fuck are you talking about? What are you? Ta- what the fuck are you talking about? I don't plague people, dude. I all I do is shepherd souls. Like you think I'm coming down there and coughing on people. What the fuck is wrong with you humans? That's uh, honestly insulting. Yeah, he's he is legitimately like insulted by it. And she's like, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I but I can't I can't go home. They think I'm dead. Uh, they think you ate me or whatever. And he's like, fuck, great. So you're just going to crash in my pad then, huh? <laughs> and he's like, if you let me. And he's like, yeah, okay, fine. Okay, and but he's pretty chill about it. Let me ask you this, though. Is he hot? He's insanely hot. That's oh. all she can think of. As soon as she gets over the fear of death, she's like, this dude is so fucking hot. I cannot believe what's happening right now. It's the only thought that she can have. <laughs> It's the only thing that enters her mind. Uh, And she just chills and she lives with this dude and she meets his, uh, his, his butler, I guess, or whatever. And uh, his adopted son. Oh, he's got a butler. Yeah. He's got like a helper and uh, a little kid that lives with them too. Who I guess his parents are dead or whatever. And he didn't have anywhere else to go. So he's crashing there too. And they're all, you know, hanging out, uh, having fun. And I don't know. Honestly, sounds like a lot of baggage, you know? Well, I mean, the dude is a god, so. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, it's weird that he has a kid. I that, That's instantly unattractive to me. <laughs> Christmas cake. <laughs> hey, he's definitely over 25. Uh, you know, single parents, uh, you know. I don't know about that, man. <laughs> Okay, so she's living with him out in the woods. Uh, and she's got like, what, an adopted family thing going on? I mean, that's the premise. Yeah, she's then then they have kind of like a fun. Uh, she's gets flirty with him and everything, and it's like he's he's a god, so he doesn't really get human stuff. Uh, so he'll do stuff like come home in the middle of the night and just like get in bed with her, and she's like, "Whoa, what the fuck?" And he's like, "What? I was cold." <laughs> <laughs> And she's mad, but, like, not that mad because, damn, he's so fucking hot. Hey, listen, I'm just a simple country god. I don't know your city ways. Yeah, he he doesn't lust or anything. He's just a Shinigami. Like, what does he care? Plus, this chick just showed up and started living at your place for free. Like, come on. I mean, it it does sound like she's taking advantage of him, uh, to be honest. She's totally taking advantage of him. She's completely taking... She could have just walked her ass home, but then she would have been embarrassed. So instead, she's like, can I live with you at your house What does she have to be embarrassed about? They tried to get rid of her. Like, why doesn't she have the god, like, go fuck up the village for being dicks? He doesn't fuck villages up. That's his whole thing, is like, he's like, I don't do that. That's not what I'm about, dog. I don't fuck people up. I just do the soul shepherding thing. He's like, he hates humanity because they assume Shinigami's fuck shit up, but he doesn't. He doesn't fuck shit up. He goes out of his way not to fuck shit up. Oh man, I had him so wrong. I feel ashamed now. You should feel ashamed. He sounds like a stand-up guy. I take it back. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man, okay, I think... I think that was it. Does that feel like a load off your shoulders? Yes, I'm glad I got a small portion of my recent manga reads uh, finally out of the way. As soon as as soon as we wrap this up, this list is going to be totally populated again. We're going to have to go through this uh, again at some point in the future. Well, I've had to abandon many of them straight up just because, like, I don't remember if we've even talked about them or not. <laughs> I'm saving a bunch of just the best of the best to at some point when we talk about shit we're like 
we really, really like, uh, I'll have that as a separate list. Um, but for now, that this is the manga roundup for you today. Wait for the, the future uh, anime death spiral reserve list, the vintage list. Yeah, this is just a, a sampler plate, a kind of an, an incidental list. We're going to have a true curation at some point of like actually good stuff. Uh, I don't know when. And then you're not even going to know what to do with yourselves. There's going to be so yeah, much good stuff out there. Yeah, the day that Berserk releases its final issue, that we'll, we'll do it then. <laughs> All right. Uh, is that is that uh, that's the commitment? <laughs> <laughs> if that happens, that's what we're doing. Yes. Rest in peace, Miura. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's wrap this up. All right, we talked about we talked about some manga. I talked about a manga. <laughs> you talked about what you're reading. I talked about what I'm reading. Yeah, yeah. It's totally equal, and we're contributing uh, in a totally fair way to this show. I just want to point that out. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. That's how we do it. That's how we do it on Anime Death Spiral. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's more manga than uh, basically every other anime podcast has ever talked about. So I feel like we're we're fucking delivering on our side. Yeah. Uh, come on. It, it doesn't matter about our dynamic. The fact is, is that you are getting everything that you need for anime and manga from us. Uh, most anime podcasts don't actually talk about anime. So I feel like we've really cornered the market on actually talking about anime. So go us, I guess. Like, yeah, hey, we, we got the good shit. Listen, <laughs> did you, I mean, did you hear any of that? I just talked about one, two, one, two, three, four, five, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, eight, nine. Oh God, he's counting nine, now. 10, 10, 11, 11, 12, uh, 14 or 15 different manga. I mean, that's incredible. That's uh, honestly, we're above the curve there. So you're welcome world. Handsome, beautiful listeners. You are welcome. <laughs> Okay. And I mean that in a sneering way. <laughs> okay, he's getting hostile now. Uh, <laughs> go go, download us. Uh, check us out on TikTok. I'm making the videos. Check us out on YouTube. Like, subscribe. Do all the stuff. Uh, thank you, handsome, beautiful, loving listener. Uh, we're here for you, and I, I need you to be here for us. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. That's it. Bye. Bye. <laughs>